You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! And welcome to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Updates. I am Joe Galeen. I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend. Tony Sincata. Tony, how you doing? I thought I was going to be joined by Tony Sincata. Pete, you there, buddy? What's going on, Joe? What's happening? Uh, nothing. You know, we're, we're here on a Saturday weekend fantasy update. I did a little bit of NHL with fantasy sports today. That was always a fun time. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so we're here on a Saturday. You know, I'm wishing the weather would be a little bit better. Because this this April weather, I'm not liking it so far. <laughs> well, I mean, you're a hockey guy, so I mean, this yeah. is right up your alley, isn't it? Oh yeah, I'm 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 excited for today. There's a bu- there's a bunch of games. <laughs> I mean, I, I know you didn't want to start the show off with hockey, but uh, no, no, that's fine. That's I, fine. Like I was saying but earlier today on on Fantasy Sports Today, a big game to watch is going to be Colorado versus St. Louis. It, it's a it's a play to make it game. It, whoever wins that game makes that final wild, wild card slot in the West. So. Definitely a good game to watch if you've never watched hockey before because that will set the tone of what playoff hockey would probably look like. i, I got to be honest with you. I'm a you know, casual hockey fan. Right. You know, I, I was a, the, the loved following hockey in the early to mid-'90s. Then they kind of ticked me off when they, they had their strike and then there was no Stanley Cup final. <laughs> but I consider myself a Rangers fan, right? I mean, I, you're a Rangers fan as well, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I yeah. Rangers fan through and through. Um, yeah. So... We, we've had a rough but year. We've <laughs> had a rough year, right? I mean, yeah. And then they, they traded away a lot of their star players, right? Yeah, and then we, they started playing better. Well, yeah, well that's, that's the thing. We have all <laughs> these young kids in there that are trying to make a name for themselves. They want to prove they should be on an NHL squad. And mm-hmm. they're, they're doing pretty well. So we'll see how, what happens, though, when they actually start playing against uh, rested-up NHL players. You know, you're coming toward the end of the season. A lot of their games have been against teams that are not in the playoffs, so they're either resting players or they're really not invested in it. I know the Rangers today right. are going to probably try to beat the Flyers, though, to make sure that they don't make it into the playoffs if they beat the Flyers and the Florida Panthers win their next two games. The Panthers will take that slot instead of the Flyers. Yeah, that's always a heated rivalry, rivalry uh, over the years. But, uh, you know, I, I was just a little surprised that you you were uh, complaining about cold weather because, like I said, you're a big hockey guy. So Yeah, but you uh, know what? Know you it, like it's, to, to it's, be on the ice. Yeah, no, I love being on the ice. But this, this cold, damp <laughs> April weather. Yeah, no, it's April. Let's, let's get into the 50s here. It's baseball weather. I mean, it should be baseball weather, right? I mean, do you play any fantasy uh, baseball there? Pete? I, I do. I have one team mm-hmm. that I had to auto draft because I had a hockey game, actually. So there's that team. <laughs> then I have another team that I'm I'm doing pretty well uh, on. I'm beating uh, the guy I'm going against right now. I think I have 443 points. So on the mm-hmm. two weeks or the the week or however the format is, I can't really uh, recall right now. But yeah, I have fancy baseball. Going to be honest, don't know what I'm doing. So we're just kind of right, right. winging it and seeing how it goes. Maybe you guys can help me during the season, and we could we could talk a little yeah. bit about my team. Well. We'll help you during the season. We'll help you today. We're going to be, uh, obviously, uh, a lot of the leagues uh, do their waiver wire pickups on Sunday. So uh, we're going to help uh, everyone listening out there out. I mean, uh, there's been some injuries uh, this this week that uh, fantasy players have had to deal with. Uh, one of the bigger ones uh, has been uh, the loss of the Milwaukee Brewers, their, their closer, Corey Knable. Uh, if, or if you saw the... The uh, footage of Corey Knable just dropping to the ground, Tony. Four to six weeks. Yeah. It's all right. You get him back. <laughs> what are you doing well, now? You know, well, the thing is, like last week, uh, in uh, and, and introducing Tony Sincata, the man, the myth, the legend, joining us. and Good to have you here, Tony. Big weekend. And we're going to be talking uh, a wave of wilds. We'll be talking closers that maybe you might want to pick up. And uh, you're right. What do you do now? But um, last week's wave of wire uh, movements, uh, Hunter Strickland was the big guy, right? And in my league, uh, the uh, GST Fantasy Baseball uh, League put together by uh, Justin Mason, uh, the winning bid was just a little over 17% of fab. 
right? Free agent yeah. uh, bidding. Yeah. But in other leagues, I mean, some people were bidding 30%, 34%. Yeah, I mean, closers, when they're available on the waiver wire, they go fast, fast and furious. And so that's the problem. Like, I think that you, what you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to go and bid on Josh Hader, right? If you're a Corey Canable owner, but it's still going to cost you probably 20% to be safe in your league. And I'm not even sure that's safe anymore because people just need safe so bad. They go, oh, you know what? I'll take a shot on this kid hater, and maybe you know Corey Canelo has a setback, and you know, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden I get him, you know, for eight weeks or nine weeks. Um, so I, I think that's the problem when you lose a closer. Is yeah, the easiest thing is to, oh, go and grab this guy off the waiver wire. It's not that easy if you play in a fab league. Especially when the Brewers even come out and say, look, you know, uh, we're going to be using the committee. So, I mean, yeah, you could say, let's use Josh. Let's go after Josh Hader. And I love Josh Hader. Um, I actually own him in one of my leagues. Uh, And from what I'm understanding, he might not be the man right now. I mean, uh, I think yesterday uh, on Friday he pitched two innings. I mean, they kind of like him in multiple inning outings. I mean, he's a strikeout guy, too. So, uh, you know, I mean, if he let's say if he pitches – and, and this is something that you've brought up in the past, you know, w- when it comes to like middle or uh, yeah. later round relievers. If he does that three times a week, that's that's basically the equivalent of a starter, right? Like, yeah, you know, let's absolutely. say if he pitches six innings. Yesterday he got three strikeouts. So six innings, nine strikeouts yeah. you know, on average, give or take. That's beautiful. It's better than any starter that you're going to ever find <laughs> on the waiver wire. Right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and another guy that you might want to consider from the Brewers is uh, uh, Jacob Barnes. He actually has a, a, a save already. So, I mean, it's like you said, it's kind of not as clear-cut as you would think in terms of, of, of who's going to be the replacement. And the funny part is, after all those, the guy with the probably with the – and I didn't look this up. But the other two guys probably have more career saves, Matt Albers and Jeremy Jeffries. Yeah, Jeffrey's uh, 27 saves in 2016. Uh, yeah. And he, yeah, right. So you, you would think that he'd fit in. Blew a save last night. So, yeah. uh, you know, I guess we'll see. But uh, Matt Albers is another guy, uh, like you said, that uh, you might consider with, uh, with the Brewers. But, yeah, as soon as uh, a closer goes down and, and there's a chance that a new closer stepping in, uh, you know you're going to have to be aggressive in your fab betting. Aggression for once, for one, for one statistic. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I, I mean, because I mean, uh, so many people hold off on getting the closest to real late. So when someone, you know, falls into that job, you, you know, you, if you waited on that closer, you want to try to get one as soon as you can. But uh, I don't think I play in a league with trades, so I am in no leagues that allow trades. Right. And, oh, actually, does our our expert league does that one that one with Justin Mason? So yes, that's the yes, only league I mm-hmm. we have trades in. I have trades, mm-hmm. in. and I have at least four closing on every team and five on some. And mm-hmm. it would have been perfect if there were trades. And here's the problem: why I had them is that some of these guys were getting left around to the 18th, 20th round, and I'm like, I'm not letting someone get 35 saves, so I went and picked them. Right. So you know what? If I have injury, a preemptive defensive move in a way. Yeah, like me and you were the only ones that knew Brad Boxberger was going to be the closer. So right, I kept getting (laughs) them in every draft because people wouldn't pick them. Right, right. And then Fernando Rodney, nobody ever likes him because he doesn't know how to wear a hat, and so (laughs) I always take him too. Right. Yeah, and you could get him real late too. Yeah. So those two guys are on every one of my teams, and I didn't really want them. Right. And even Ziegler. Ziegler's got it off to a tough start. Ziegler, Brad Ziegler from the Marlins. I mean, you know, he's yeah. going to be the closer there for, you know, a month or two or uh, until the trade deadline. So uh, he was a guy that you could have gotten. Unless he keeps pitching well. like this. That's what I'm saying. He's gotten off to a bad start. But uh, but how do you uh, recommend working the waiver wire this early in the season? I mean, it's easy. Like, we're so early in the season where, you know, at this point, let's say if your team's in last place today, by, by Tuesday you could be in first. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, I mean, there's just huge swings this early in the season. Um, but how aggressive do you recommend that our listeners work the waiver wire? I mean, because yeah. If, so if, first thing, first thing first. There's no 100 percent answer. Uh, the 100 percent answer is you've got to look at your team and not look at the standings. 
because mm-hmm. I think the standings are the most deceiving thing at this time of the year. So mm-hmm. don't look at the standings and be evaluate your team. Like there's a couple teams where like I look at I'm like my outfield is just not good enough. I, I don't have enough home runs or I don't have enough stolen bases. And you know what? I'll spend a little more on that team. I think the biggest mistake you can make is not bidding a lot of money early because you want to save that money. And you see that a lot when people play in AL and NL only leagues. Like there are guys that won't spend any money because they want to have that full fab money for when the trade deadline comes and they think they're going to, well, you just lost half the season mm-hmm. and you didn't make moves when you should have. You're putting yourself in a hole. Whoever that player is better be the greatest player in the history of the earth to help you get mm-hmm. out of it. And right. then I think the same thing. If you're playing in a mixed league, you got to remember, if I get a guy in week two that I'm confident in, that means I got him for 25 more weeks. If I get a guy in week 10, I only get him for 15 weeks. So you got to think about it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and sometimes I think you just got to make the move, too, uh, because – like last season, Ryan Zimmerman, right, the first baseman for the Nationals. Yeah. You know, yeah. I begrudging, I begrudgingly early in the season, early on, because he got off to such a hot start. You know, he, he's a guy that has a lot of potential, not but even potential. He he's proven that he could play when he's healthy. You know, he's a twenty-five to thirty homer kind of guy, but just he's been injury prone for his entire career. But uh, you know, I needed a first baseman, and early in the season, I kind of was like, oh man, really, should I should I take this guy and begrudgingly I took him and it, it worked out because, you know, he stayed healthy for the rest of the year. I mean, uh, for the most part, you know, his stats maintained. I mean, he had a little bit of a dip, but sometimes you just got to go a- and make the move, right? I, I totally agree. I think mm-hmm. that that gets back to having the guys for the whole season and, mm-hmm. and go at it that way because Zimmerman's a perfect example. Last year, I go back to last year. And Adam Lynn was brought in during the uh, offseason. Yep. And I said, you know what? That's going to be a platoon because Lynn's a left-handed bat. Um, and we got Zimmerman a right-handed bat. And Lynn will get more at-bats if they platoon that way, you know, lefty on lefty, righty on righty. So mm-hmm. he was the guy that I liked late in the drafts. When that didn't work out, the smartest thing would have been to go and get Zimmerman. And look what you would have fallen into, 30 home runs. I mm-hmm. mean, that is crazy when you think about how you could fall into those situations. Yep, yep. And uh, I think for the first month of the season, I think he was batting 400. He was just playing out of his out of his mind. But uh, that's a good example that sometimes you just got to go and and get get the player and you know just uh, take a chance. And and just like with with any every year, we're going to tell you this is that you know just be careful about who you're dropping. Don't give up on players too soon. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you get so much overreaction. I mean, you see this on Twitter uh, with people asking, you know, should I drop this guy? Should I drop that, that guy? Uh, look, you got to trust a little bit in yourself. The the uh, the work that you did in the preseason. I mean, you know, just be careful about who you're dropping. <laughs> Absolutely agree. That's the biggest mistake. It'll haunt you forever. And uh, it's crazy. That's right, because you do six weeks of research. Don't throw six weeks of research out in one week. Right, right. So uh, so this week we, t- we talked about uh, Corey Knebel going down, and like you said, four to six weeks. And it looked pretty serious. He, I mean, he, he just fell oh, yeah. down from the mound. <laughs> so, he looked like he got oh. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember he was a great uh, waiver wire pickup last year. Uh, helped our, our team uh, immensely in the uh, GST league last year. But uh, so uh, hip injury seemed to be <laughs> the injury of the week, right? Uh, Miggy hurt his hip. Uh, he, he's uh, in the lineup today. But uh, he also had CC Sabathia last night. Uh, he uh, left his start. Uh, he has a, a hip issue. MRI came back clean. And then you have uh, Jacoby Ellsbury who's been on the DL, and somehow he hurt his, his hip while, while on the DL. You know, and I don't mean to disparage elderly people, but it just seems like, you know, that's an old man's disease. Yeah, I actually met a, a, a probably a 35-year-old firefighter mm-hmm. this week, and uh, he just had his hip replaced. He was in the military, too. He used to jump out of planes and, uh, and shoot bad guys. And now he's uh, works in the fire department, but he had a hip injury too. So I don't know. Maybe they, maybe it's the the new trend. 
Mm, yeah, could be. Well, uh, I don't know. Will Myers went down ten day DL. Yeah, I, just, I got him. A, I got him on a couple teams. I thought it was a bargain coming into this year, mm-hmm. and um, that's what sucks. Depending on how your leagues put it, like some of the leagues were like eleven day weeks this week, right? Because they took yeah. those from Thursday to you know, and then then we had all these rainouts, and then some days didn't, teams didn't play on Friday, some teams didn't play on Sunday. I'm mm-hmm. like, Jesus Christ, if you had a guy in your lineup that was stuck for that long, Aaron Hicks is a guy that hit the DL, DL after the first game. You yep. know, you might have had him in there for 10 games. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one days. of the nice things with uh, fan tracks. I think, uh, they, on Thursdays, I think they let you uh, put somebody who's on the DL. They let you like uh, amend your lineup, I believe. So that's pretty cool uh, using them. But Brandon Drury uh, last night, Yankee third baseman, 10-day uh, DL, migraines and blurred vision. So uh, that means that uh, Miguel Andahar, who uh, had been called up, it looks like he, he's going to be sticking around a little while longer. I mean, so far, you know, because... It looks a bit overmatched, this Miguel Andujar, and the deal with him was they were worried about his, his glove more than his bat, but, uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, I'm sure he'll get more bats, especially now with Drury down. Maybe he has a little Otani in him. He looks overmatched, and then he's going to come out smoking. Oh, yeah. we got to talk about Otani, right? Uh, Otani, perfect example of <laughs> how not to uh, pay attention to spring training stats, I guess, right? Godzilla. Yeah. Well, that's Hideki Matsui, baby. Well, anyway, when we come back, we'll talk more of Wave Wire pickups. We've got fantasy baseball talk. We'll talk some football later as well. It's WrestleMania weekend, too. We'll be back. Joe Glina and Tony Sincata. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galina along with Tony Sincata. Pete Cotzadori is producing our show. And we want you to dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball Contest this summer uh, with Daily Roto's MLB Projections and Optimizer. Just go to dailyroto.com slash premium and save 10%. With the promo code FNTSY to use all the same tools and projections that have produced four, that's four millionaire winners and millions more in total winnings than that. So head over to dailyroto.com slash premium, save 10% with the promo code FNTSY and see the results for yourself. So Tony, what's on, what's on tap for the weekend? You know, Smack dab in the weekend. Big weekend, yeah, right? I- Got a lot going on. Uh, you know, you got this golf tournament. The Masters is going on. Yeah. I'm in sixth place I've heard in, of that, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the sixth <laughs> place in the tournament. That's we got great. WrestleMania, as you talked about. You know, one of the things, though, I was thinking about is uh, it's tough being so much more intelligent than the average person. Mm-hmm. And I start, start thinking about crazy <laughs> things, right? Like things that nobody else Tony thinks Tony the about. Brain Sincata. But, uh, yeah, uh, okay. right. So I'm thinking, like... Thank God animals can't understand the English language and can't communicate with us. Because when a man says he wants to bust a nut, squirrels would get all confused. <laughs> Very right? good point. Yeah. These are so the that's what that I, run through your head, right? These are, yeah, that's what I think of. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I said, poor little squirrel. Mm-hmm. He's just in this little world with his acorns, and everything's good. Thank God he can't understand us. Mm. Yeah, so you mentioned WrestleMania, right, Masters. You got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I have no interest well. in that. I, I, yeah, I, I, don't even, I don't even recognize the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, we've kind of 
t- spoken about this in the past. When, when you have a, something that calls itself the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you have uh, Madonna being inducted in there yes. and yes. NWA yeah. and, and yeah, we can't have Tupac. That. Yeah. Maybe you know, Madonna should be in the Pop Music Hall of Fame. Yes. Right? <laughs> or if it was just the Music Hall of Fame or Recording right. Artist Hall of Fame. Like, I could yeah. put her in any Hall of Fame except yeah. the Rock and Roll You've got to give her props. Yeah. I mean, she's yeah. obviously one of the greats of all time. What about the Bee Gees, the kings of disco, right? I mean, yeah. Saturday Night Fe- Fever, right? Yeah, another mean, example. They could be in any numerous amounts of Hall of Fames. Yeah. I'm not denying their talent. Yeah, they, but they are great. Yes. That would like be putting me in the Negro Museum. <laughs> Good right? Point. Yeah. Yeah, I've met yeah. You. you. Yeah, you're a Caucasian. Yeah. Like, uh, did you know that the, the Negro Baseball Hall of Fame is in Kansas City, Missouri? And if you guys are ever near that area, you should check it out. There's a lot of history there. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's something that we don't know. We always know about Cooperstown. But yeah, uh, yeah that's great. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, that's one of the, the places. A lot that of I the visit. players yeah. go. And, and if you go. Uh, mm-hmm. When there's a home game there in Kansas City, a lot of the visiting teams players go go there during the day. Mm-hmm. Roger yeah, like Clemens said, went there one day and spent like he spent like over ten thousand dollars on memorabilia. Barry Bonds has been in there before. Huh, a hidden jewel in the Midwest, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So let's uh, continue talking about uh, some uh, waiver wire moves that might uh, be made this weekend. Uh, one guy I want to mention, we were talking about uh, Knable and, and closers and, and whatnot, but uh, any concern on your part with uh, the early season struggles for uh, Kenley Jansen? I mean, uh, you know, he's saying now that he's working on his mechanics. I mean, he's a guy that really went early in drafts, too. I mean, you know, uh, is it time to start thinking about maybe, let's say, if you own a Jansen and you have uh, 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 a big bench on your fantasy uh, roster to look at to Josh Fields? I mean, uh, underlying injury, maybe? I'll tell you what is crazy about that is I, I just said, you know, you're going to spend all this fab money on <laughs> yeah. a guy that's basically a one-position guy. But mm-hmm. now you could put two roster spots, right, if you take the guy there, like the closer in waiting. Mm-hmm. And it seems crazy, but you might have to do it because you put an early draft pick in there and mm-hmm. you yeah. might have to go ahead and do this. I mean, I guess the biggest, I don't even know where to start. He doesn't have a strikeout. Is that the first place I should start? Yeah, it's a good place to start. Yeah. I uh, mean, who would ever think that Canley Jansen would have two innings pitch and not a strikeout? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me if he ends up on the DL. I mean, there's got to be something brewing there. And how does a guy that's been so successful uh, over a period of years all of a sudden uh, say that he needs to work on his mechanics? I mean, you know, in the offseason, you just forgot, you know, how to pitch? There's something. No, there's something. <laughs> see, see, it's hard to look at this because it's two innings. Mm-hmm. But there's something seriously wrong because he's three, he's three miles an hour uh, slower on his fastball. And he's only throwing a fastball 80% of the time, which he was a one-pitch pitcher before that. That's all he threw. And now he's throwing a slider 20% of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he threw no other pitch before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's usually a telltale sign that, that, you know, that there's an injury brewing there. So keep an eye on that. Josh Fields is his backup. Do you recommend, uh, you know, drafting or picking up uh, the closer and waiting for, let's say, a closer that you have? I mean, or especially in this situation, it's magnified because of the early round uh, draft pick that you invested in a guy like Jansen. I, I think it is because of the early round. I don't think you usually do it, but I think this week I would do it just and see what happens. But the better question is, if you don't have a closer or your mm-hmm. your, your closing situation isn't good, mm-hmm. do you speculate? And not own Kenley Jansen to pick up Josh Fields. Mm-hmm. Again, it depends on who you would have to drop in order to get him, right? Well, but, say you get an extra outfielder. Yeah. yeah. Would you do it? Yeah. If I had an extra outfielder that there's no chance of him ever playing, like let's say a Nick Marquez. Yeah, unless, like, you know, unless all I'm in a 15 ha- team yeah. league, yeah. Yeah, I think I yeah. would. Yeah, why not? I would Especially, too. Especially, yeah, if it happens, uh, then either you could. Uh, put fields in your lineup or you know what you'll have a very nice bargaining chip in terms of trades 
you leave him on your bench and, and mm-hmm. see what happens because it'll only take a week or two for this Kenley Jansen thing to uh, straighten out. Either, he'll either get back out in the mound and have some more poor performances and then hit the DL, or all of a sudden he'll be throwing 94 miles an hour again and striking people out, and then you just cut him. Right, right. Uh, another, uh, let's talk some more uh, waiver wire uh, pickups. Just in general, I'm just going to throw this out there. Man, there's nobody out there. If you have problems with catcher, there's just nobody out there. I mean, are you finding this as well in the leagues that you're playing? I mean, no. the, the only guys I would consider looking at my, at the leagues I'm in and the guys that are there, maybe a, a, a Cervelli from Pittsburgh who's actually not doing that great, McMahon, James McMahon, Jan Gomes. I mean, nobody's really doing anything there. What do you yeah, I think, Cervelli, I think Cervelli would be the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason being is that he plays – five out of seven days a week. Mm-hmm. He's in that batting order around sixth or seventh, depending on And I think people underrated the Pittsburgh Pirates. I've watched them play a lot. Mm-hmm. The Pirates are actually better than they were last year. Now, their mm-hmm. pitching, I don't like. But Andrew McCutcheon is, wasn't losing him. Didn't really hurt because he was past his prime. Right. Well, look at what he's doing so far. He's doing nothing. Uh, yeah. And this has been a problem with him, too, uh, for several years now. You know, he's gotten off to terrible, terrible starts. And uh, if you look at his numbers so far this year, it's just in line with what he's done in, in the past. I mean, uh, I'm looking at his uh, bat in 083. So, and who, they replaced him with Corey Dickerson. At this stage of the game, I, I might like Corey Dickerson a little bit better than uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Oh, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. you go at it, and you got to remember that last year the Pirates basically played without Polanco and Stefan Marte. Mm-hmm. Sterling Marte. Yeah, right. I love Polanco this year. I, I mean, I, I really do. I mean, yeah, he dealt with injuries last year. Be, before uh, last year, it seemed like he was coming into his own. You know, I, I think this guy, you know, once he finally develops into his prime and stays healthy, he could be a, easily a 2020 guy. I don't know how you feel about him. Um. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've been saying that for a while. Though he needs to stay healthy and finally show us that. And then, mm-hmm. secondly, um, I look at this this uh, Pirates team and Jamison Tyon. I watched the pitch the first yes. game. Mm-hmm. He he he's back. He can pitch. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, he had his issues last year. Had uh, was dealing. I think was testicular cancer. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, when healthy, he's a guy. This is a guy that could emerge as a long-term ace for the Bucks, the Pirates. And Felipe Rivero is uh, one of those guys mm-hmm. that I uh, say he's effectively wild. Hmm. Like he has no idea where the ball's going. And he was a guy that uh, I kind of was in. I didn't get any shares of him, but. Uh, I was kind of high on him in uh, preseason. It's too early. Look, it's, you know, we're going to be recommending some players. We'll be talking about some players that are hot, some that aren't. But let's face it, you, you know, we're just like a week and a half into the season. I mean, yes, it means something, but it doesn't, you know, let's not overreact as well. But, uh, hey, I wanted to ask you about one specific guy on the Braves that's been, uh, been doing really well this year. So far, Preston Tucker, owned in 23% oh, of yeah. CBS Sports Leagues. Now, you know, I'm thinking about picking him up in a league, and I'm a partner with someone, and and uh, he's telling me, hey, you know, he might not get at bats once Acuna gets picked up, and supposedly Acuna is going to be, uh, not, he's going to be called up somewhere around the April 13th uh, date, supposedly. But uh, in my opinion, with what Tucker's doing right now, batting 435, 462 on base percentage, uh, and he's had some good minor league numbers too: 282 batting average, 353 on base percentage, 491 slugging. I mean, if you ask me, I mean, Nick Markakis is a nice player, but with I agree. With the way Preston Tucker's playing, I mean, you're going to leave Tucker in there and you're going to bench Nick Markakis, right? The the, the Braves are a team that's on the verge of building for their future. I mean, why why keep Markakis in your lineup every day? Yes, when Akuna comes up, put him in there every day, but I don't think you bench Tucker. I totally agree with you. And Tucker, there's something weird about, though. There's something that, like, you can look at and you don't – because I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how he hasn't got a shot yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's 27. The minor league numbers are good. Like, Mm -hmm. 
And every time I watch a guy play, he smacks the ball around. Yeah, I think absolutely. It doesn't make sense to keep Marcakis in there. Um, Tucker, that now what might happen though is you might get Marcakis three days a week, Tucker four days a week, and that's going to hurt you fantasy wise. But if he keeps hitting the way he's hitting, they're going to keep him on the field. Yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about that in terms of his, uh, you know, splits, and I looked at his minor league splits, and they weren't. Ter- it wasn't like you know. From what I can remember, because I did this like a day or two ago, it wasn't like overtly, you know, one-sided. So uh, maybe he was just a, a victim of, you know, the Astros just having too many really good players on their team. Yeah. And not yeah. him not getting a chance. I mean, we're starting to see Derek Fisher get a chance to play, but mm-hmm. a guy that was a prospect is still getting opportunities, Jake Marisnik. And mm-hmm. he's been cashing with a couple home runs there, making it hard for Fisher to get every day at bats. Right. Yeah, the Astros might be turning into the modern-day Expos. Remember all the players that went through the Expos yeah. minor league system back in the day? So, I mean, they, they really got to tip your cap to uh, their minor league system and all the players that they've developed so far and continue to develop. But um, So, uh, I mentioned the Kuna should be, from what I'm hearing, you know, what I'm reading, you know, somewhere around mid-April. So, uh, and it and depends on who you believe or not. Supposedly, he turned down a $30 million extension. Some people are saying... He did. He's saying he didn't. I mean, and it seems like these teams are trying to get a little smarter, right? Uh, trying to lock up some of their players. You know, like uh, the, the Twins tried to supposedly lock up uh, Byron Buxton, Jose Berrios, and uh, Max Kepler, and they turned down their long-term deals. What do you think about these guys turning down long-term deals? Like, King- I like Kingery it. took some money. Yeah, but Kingery was he, the one that he, he took the money. The, but yeah. so the first guy that did this. And got huge heat, huge heat from the Players Association. They called him a disgrace. I mean, they went <laughs> after him hard. Was John Singleton took six years, $15 million from the Astros. Yeah, and where's John Singleton now? <laughs> I was going to say, now it's not looking like a bad move, does it, right? <laughs> right, right. Right? So, yes, and then yes. Kingery takes six years, $30 million, and everybody's up in arms about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think that if you believe in yourself, mm-hmm. you're good. But the, I, I look at some of these these arbitration numbers. I think if you're an elite player in your fifth or sixth year, you're going to get ten to thirteen million dollars. But if salaries keep escalating, you might get more than that. So if you're at ten to thirteen now. And you could get 15 to 17 for one year. But you have to be an elite player. I mean, we're only talking about probably like a guy like a Cooner, and we're not talking about like Kingery. Kingery's a good player, but he's not a top prospect. Um, you're going to cost yourself some cash. But you get the degree. But it, it, if you take the money up front, everyone's going to say, oh, what if he got hurt and this and that? I don't know, man. Aren't you selling your ability short? By taking the money up front and, and not yeah. believing in yourself that you could get that big contract, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know how, how these uh, insurance – I mean, can you – I'm sure you can buy insurance on yourself. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, maybe, basically for the, for the first – for people out there that don't know, what happens is the first three years you get the minimum salary in baseball, which is like $500,000, right? Unless you agree to a contract. So a guy like Kingery, he goes from 500000 to, you know, $5 million, which is great. Everybody looks at that. So he's cashing in the first three years. Then the fourth year, though, you can, you're a free agent, but you're not really four through six because you're a team, that team uh, holds the bargaining uh, rights to you. So what they do is they offer you a contract, and you could agree or not agree. And then you go to arbitration, and then the arbiter has to choose which contract's right. So say I think I'm worth $20 million, and the Phillies think I'm worth one. They have to pick one or $20 million. Right. And then there's uh, sometimes there's some hard feelings, maybe, because now the Phillies oh, yeah. exp- explain to the arbitrator why you're not worth the $20 million, Yeah. And they'll probably pick apart every little uh, you know, uh, situation where you didn't get the job done. And, you know, one guy that comes to mind uh, in recent years, uh, Dellen Patances, you know, yes. obviously as a Yankee fan, you know, I follow them. And, and supposedly he was very, very insulted with what went on uh, during the arbitration hearing. <laughs> yeah. So this is the world of baseball and that's how the economics of it works. And 
why guys uh, are down in the minors for two months when they obviously belong in the major leagues. Yeah. Uh, Chris Chris Bryant was a good example a, a couple yeah. years ago. Well, he was tearing it up in, in the in spring training, but uh, the Cubs kept him down for for business for money. Yeah, and you know what? I, I've thought about this. You have to do that. Like, it's not even debatable. If you could keep a guy on your team an extra year, and the NFL and the and the players associated agree to it, how do you not do it? Right, you're playing by the rules, right? Yeah. Play me a union. Yeah. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking some more waiver wire moves that you could make uh, coming up. So you're listening to Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galina and Tony Sincata spending part of your weekend with you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Tony, we alluded to a little WrestleMania uh, happening this this uh, weekend. You're you're a wrestling guy, right? You yeah. So my guy had kids, shows. and I uh, yeah I had kids, and I got back into it. So I've been to WrestleMania twice. And uh, the most confusing thing about this weekend, though, is. John Cena's got a movie out that comes out this weekend. Mm-hmm. And so there's no way he isn't a big part of WrestleMania, but he doesn't really have a match. Well, supposedly, like, he's been, you know, and, and just to backtrack a little bit, I was heavy into wrestling like in the 80s and, and uh, up until the 90s. Then when I, when I had kids, uh, my wife didn't want us watching wrestling anymore because my wife was worried that uh, my son was going to... Uh, and body slam my daughter. So, <laughs> oh, see, that's also, our, that's yeah. that's my family bonding. Is we we bond body through wrestling. slam each other. Okay. Well, I and don't know. At we, the same, at the same time, you know, some of the guys that I grew up watching kind of you know faded away. So I lost a little interest as well. I mean, the last great wrestling that I loved was the NWA angle, uh, NWO angle. I mean, yes, I thought that was a great angle. But uh, I got back into it because uh, the BFFs, those uh, those guys, the uh, Florio and uh, and Stample, they were into wrestling. We you know we broadcasted together. We did the uh, Royal Fumble, you know, picking. Uh, yes. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I got back into it. It kind of you know now I just I DVR it and I uh, fast forward you know through through the shows. Now, I was telling the guys on Game Time Decisions that. Um, I came from a we came from a house. Our parents got divorced when we were, you know, teenagers, mm-hmm. and we didn't have a lot of supervision sometimes. And um, we went, and all the kids would play. You know, all the games would be at our house in the neighborhood. Like so, we would play basketball, baseball, football. You could see the base outlines in my yard. And mm-hmm. one of the things we did is we went out and we stole every neighbor's garden hose, right? <laughs> and then we put four stakes in the ground, and then we took the garden hoses, and we made a ring in the backyard. Oh, and we would awesome. create wrestling matches in the That's ring. creative, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I, it got created more creative than that. I was the peanut butter man. What I would do is I would pull a peanut butter sandwich out of, out of my uh, shorts and my right. finishing move, and then I would smear the peanut butter sandwich in the guy's face. And I can't yeah. believe McMahon hasn't stole that yet. Mm, well, maybe now that you uh, have mentioned this on air, maybe you will. Because back in the days, you know, like a, a guy like a Mr. Fuji, uh, if yeah. people know who that is, he used to throw salt in your eye, right? And right. That and then George but the nobody Animal ever Steel. Thought, yeah. He he did some George the Animal Steel. Didn't he do some crazy stuff too? Well, he used to eat the turnbuckle. You know what? Now think, thinking about this, uh, yeah, uh, Steel. By the way, had the green tongue. I think that's what you were going to ask. Yeah. But, you know, nowadays with so many people having peanut allergies, I don't know. Man. Let's say you, you put rub peanut uh, butter on someone's face. 
it could be lethal. I know that be that could be part of the gimmick, right? Like right. I'd be going against the Miz, <laughs> who has a peanut allergy, right? right. And I'm you, gonna, you, does he really, or are you just thinking that he does? No, I'm just thinking that he does. Oh, okay. and, that, all right, all right. and then that would be this big thing, how the Miz is ducking mm-hmm. me, and he's saying it's because he has a peanut allergy. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm, um, I'm going at him with my, right, with my right. sandwich. Right. Huh. A lethal sandwich. I, I like it, though. I like that idea. I like the fact that you were creative enough to create a ring. And uh, you talked about Cena. Now, he's been challenging The Undertaker for the past yeah. several weeks, right? And supposedly, uh, you know, I mean, you, you you get these alerts on on your uh, your phone depending on the sites that you uh, follow. Supposedly, I think that there's they, he's going to be fighting him. Supposedly that uh, Cena will be like in the stands, and all of a sudden the Undertaker will show up and answer his challenge. But he might not be the the dead man. He might be like the the biker. You know, he had that biker uh, persona back in the day. He had two personas, yeah. I think. So, oh, so he's, he's giving up the he's giving up the dead man. Well, he ret- if you watched the, the uh, WrestleMania last year, and I, and it was one of the first ones I watched, you know, since like I I went to the first one, but I had to sit in the overflow because it was so uh, you know Madison Square Garden was sold out, so I had to watch it like on a live screen. There was no cable back then, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like last year, you know, he he retired that that dead man, right? It was pretty dramatic, kind of yeah, choked you- me up a little bit. Yeah, but you can retire. I mean, the Rolling Stones retired five, six, seven times. Right. Uh, Muhammad Ali retired five. You can come back. Mm-hmm. George Foreman no. retired, came back, won the heavyweight title. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I missed the Who's uh, final tour back in 1982. <laughs> 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 you, know, uh, it, you know, things things happen. You know, you can Tupac will be mind. back. Tupac will be back soon. <laughs> You never know. You really don't. But uh, let's talk some more uh, wave wire ads before we run out of time. Uh, a guy that you and I have spoken about on this show uh, in previous weeks, Victor Martinez, getting off to a decent start. And when he's healthy, he's going to hit only owned in 8% of leagues. I guess the only bad thing about him is that yeah, he's only eligible as a utility player. Yeah, that's the whole thing. So mm. I think in deeper leagues, he's definitely a guy that should be on your roster. Um, if it's a 10 league, probably not. 12 team league. Uh, he's worthy of consideration. What about Brian Anderson, third baseman for the Marlins? Guy's got a little pop, right? Uh, good on-base uh, percentage stats throughout his minor league career. And uh, he's getting off to a nice little start. It looks like he's going to be there. The Marlins' uh, everyday third baseman uh, hit 22 home runs between double and triple-A last year. Is he someone that, in a, in a deeper league that you'd consider, or maybe even a 12-team league, maybe as a corner infielder? He's not anyone that I actually considered, but no? he has played well. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that Martin Prado was going to come back and take that job mm-hmm. when he came back. But, uh, but why? I think it's just very, like the Braves. And no, that's what I was just about to say. I was just about to yeah. say the same thing. Yeah. Is that, you know, you look at it there. The one thing about Anderson, which is crazy, is that uh, he's walking 17% of the time thus yeah, far. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he's, he's had very good uh, on-base percentage stats uh, throughout yeah. his minor league career. So, you know, I mean, 17, 17% is going to be hard to maintain, but it kind of goes with, with uh, the way he plays his games. So. His weighted runs created is 167, which mm-hmm. is an insane number. Like, he's he's going to be in the Hall of Fame at this rate. <laughs> Yes, and he's owned in 29% of CBS League, so he's probably on your waiver wire. Let's take a look at some uh, some pitching uh, additions you might want to make. What about this uh, Joey Lucchese? Joey Lucchese. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, he's right. good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, only, I don't have him on a team. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I, I can't believe I didn't take this kid in any draft. Yeah. So far uh, in 9.7 innings, 8Ks, three walks, pitching against the Brewers and Rockies. But if you look at this guy's. He didn't pitch good the stats. first game either. Right. And you look at this guy's minor league numbers, right? 1.99 yeah. ERA, 0.93 whip, uh, 10.1 K per nine, 1.8 walk per nine. So he's got very good control. Uh, I believe he has an opportunity. Uh, he might be a two-star pitcher next week. So, and Oh, yeah. You got to. Yeah. One thing that's yeah, good about him, kid. too. Now, the only thing is, mm-hmm. I kind of wonder about the strikeouts. That's my only concern here. And I'm not saying they're not going to happen, but I'm worried. At double A last year, his mm-hmm. K per eight was only 7.91. Right. 
He had, uh, you know, at single A and rookie ball, he had great K rates, as everybody does. But um, that might be the only thing is there is the strikeouts. Yeah. So let's say, you know, he had a 10.1 in the minor leagues. Let's say if it drops to to 8 or 8.5. I mean, I think I'll take that. Oh, 8.5. At the back end end of my... uh, yeah, eight point five will take, but he had at double, double, double A, double A, and so I, I'm figuring that if I take that translation, it's probably a half a run at the major league level. So do we get to seven point four five? A little lower than that is uh, we, we we're going to be in some trouble because too many balls going to be put in play. Right. And the other problem is he doesn't show a good ground ball rate. It's only been nine innings, so I don't want to get crazy. He's only showing 40% ground ball rate. So if you're not striking people out and you're not getting ground balls, I'm a little concerned. Hopefully you have a good defense behind you, right? <laughs> but the pro- Well, the problem is that I'm he mostly, had. Yeah. 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 No, but he his minor league numbers, like I said, 51% ground ball rate. So right, uh, right. if I get back to there, so that's what I'm saying. You can't get crazy over nine innings. I went back and I, look, I looked at this guy's stats and I said, man, this kid can pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, the other thing is he made his majors really quick for a fourth round pick. I mean, it wasn't like this kid was a first round pick. Right, right. And uh, like I said, 11% owned in CBS leagues. Pitched 139 innings in the minor leagues last year. So that's a good sign, too, because you think that maybe, you know, he's going to probably, they're going to let him pitch, yeah. what, maybe 150, 175 innings? So not like he probably gets, he's going to get shut go, down. Yeah. He probably only misses, you know, he'll probably get 28 starts if he can stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. Um, take a look at the only picture. thing. The only thing is, here's the thing that people, what we're talking about here is, I don't want to. I want to explain this to, to you guys right. What we're talking about here is that Major League Baseball teams won't take a young pitcher and pitch him more than thirty innings than the years prior, uh, because over time it's shown injury patterns happen by doing that. Now. So that's why we're saying it's good that he pitched, you know, 132 innings. But mm-hmm. don't use those numbers as law that he's got in the minor league level because 78, 78 innings he pitched were at the lowest level of minor leagues. That's okay to accumulate innings, but don't use that as the strikeout totals, your ERA totals, you know, right, to, right. to try to estimate. Mm-hmm. So you go both ways on those stats there. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, stats. Those, uh, you got you to do the right thing. Interpreting stats is a big thing in baseball. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, I'll tell you, that's one of the things. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll even get to this a little later. But you know, how much of the interpretation of stats is taken away from the fun of the game in a way, like these sabermetric stats? Does that does that happen to you, Tony? No. I mean, you, know, uh, you know what? Uh, that's a it's a great question because I would say no right off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but. I, I'd be honest, you know, I went to a game last on uh, Easter. I went to the, I drove down to Tampa in Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a game. It was fun, but I don't go to many games anymore. And I don't, like, I don't sit home and watch the Red Sox every night. Like, if you Davish is pitching and I got him on three teams, I'm watching that game. So right. I don't know if you could say the stats have ruined it or just fantasy baseball in general. Mm-hmm. That's almost like, like in football games, too. You know, if I'm watching a football game, a lot of times I'll I'll keep on watching the uh, the let the uh, scroll at the bottom of the screen to see if any of my players. I mean, obviously I could check regularly on my phone, you know, to get regular updates. Yeah. But I, I find it hard to take my eyes away from that scroll too to see if there's anything you know that I missed or that that has just happened with any of the players I own. So it's got crazy though because I'll <laughs> tell you what is like on this channel. I probably do more sports than everybody else uh, there. And so it's really got myself into the numbers uh, of everything and a general understanding of that. And it's basically, I don't know, like the rooting interest isn't there. But it's funny because I root for my teams once the postseason comes and I feel like the fantasy pressure is off. Well, yeah, I mean, being a fantasy analyst – you almost can't worry about scores of games, right? You just have to worry about individual performances, right? And that's why we've said, you know, look, there's still a uh, fantasy relevance to be found among players on the Marlins and uh, other teams oh, that yeah. are going to be terrible this year. So, you know. 
Uh, what and about I, enjoy, I enjoy I enjoy the statistics, and I think baseball, like people talk about this as an old sport and everything, but they're they're like more and more new numbers. I remember on one of the talking to trash shows, we were breaking down the hard hit rate of some of these players, and and then pitchers allowing hard hit rate. And I'm right. like, you know what? It's if you look at it, you're looking for dominating pitchers. It's not the hard hit rate that you look at because some of the best pitchers in baseball were actually the leaders in hard hits given up. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the soft hit rate is where you get the true definition of who the top pitchers are. And why do you think that is? I, I just think they they I think that baseball has now we've gotten a ton of strikeouts, but when we don't get strikeouts, we mm-hmm. got pitchers that are getting getting hitters swing at pitchers they want them to hit, pitches mm-hmm. that they feel uncomfortable to hit, and those are the mm-hmm. elite pitchers that are going deeper into games. They go deeper into games because they don't strike as many people out, but they get uncomfortable swings. Guys like Dallas Keuchel, uh, yeah. guys like you, Davish, and I think that we're seeing more and more of that in baseball. That's a great point. That's something I didn't think about. Like you know, if a, if a pitcher induces a hitter to to you know, hit a, a soft ball against them. That kind of means you're right that, you know, the pitcher's doing their job, making them. Uh, and and, making and, them and in today's baseball, right, if you're a shop pitcher, like if you have, if you know the game and you follow the trends in the game and, you're, and you've got some intelligence, there's something to be said for going out and saying, hey, I want to go deep in games. I'm tired of getting pulled in the sixth inning. And I know that the pitch counts now have become a big thing. Well, it's almost better to have them hit the ball, which is opposite of everything you had learned growing up being a pitcher where you want to make the batter miss, right? Well, now it's almost different where you want to make the batter hit, but you don't want them to hit. You want them to hit your pitch, right? Because you want to go deep into the game. And the only way you're going to do it is there. So here's the soft hit rate leaders from 2017. Dallas Keuchel, right? Twenty-five uh, percent, great season. Doesn't strike Had people out. Had a very out, nice right? season. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty-five percent uh, there. Um, next up was uh, Marcus Stroman, another guy that mm-hmm. um, doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but put balls in, in play. Then it's you have uh, picture, right, mm-hmm. right, Brad Peacock. An outstanding mm-hmm. season last year, 24% soft hit rate. Corey Kluber. The next mm-hmm. one's interesting. Tyler Anderson and R.A. Dickey at 24%. Now, Anderson is one of those Rockies that people thought all of a sudden looked good. And um, and it was funny is that Tyler Anderson, they only pulled the ball 38% of the time against him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which is a low number. Uh, Clayton yeah. Kershaw is one of the leaders in uh in that as well. Nathan Carnes, who had an insane like five or six games before hitting the DL last year, uh, was one of the leaders there. So the soft hit contact rate is something that you might be able to go and look through that list and find a, a pitcher that's overachieving. It might help you out if you're looking for, you know, if you're in a deeper league. Yeah. That's great. That's that's a great tool that you've just given our listeners. I mean, then I don't think you'll find another analyst that, that, you know they'll talk about you know swinging strike rate. That seems to be yeah. uh, what everybody's talking about this year is the swinging strike. I mean we've known about it, but uh, I think baseball savant updated the way that they uh, they sh- they show their stats. Maybe that's why everybody's talking about it so much. But uh, soft uh, contact. That's that's a great one. Gotta have it soft contact. Have it in baseball, but not in your love life. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, when we come back uh, for hour two. Maybe we'll talk a little uh, fantasy football. There's a lot of football action going on this week. Then we'll get back to baseball. You're listening to Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 